You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I hope that you are enjoying your week, and I'm sure you are. I mean, how can't you, knowing that the Bears are NFC North champs and heading to the playoffs? Life is good, isn't it? This is your host, Will DeWitt, and like you, I just keep on smiling and reminiscing on what we witnessed on Sunday against Green Bay. But alas, before we start talking about the playoffs, we still need to get through the final two weeks of the regular season. So with that, it's time to begin our Week 16 preview of the 4-10 San Francisco 49ers. And of course, we had a week off due to some of those unforeseen issues that we were kind of dealing with last week. So now, it's time to get back to business into one of my favorite shows of the week and go ahead and meet the opponent. So to help us meet the 49ers, I sat down with John Chapman. He's the host of the 49ers Rush podcast, and he's also a contributor over at 49ers Hub. John knows this team inside and out, and I was able to pick his brain on a variety of topics surrounding this team. So here we go. Let's go right ahead and meet the San Francisco 49ers. John, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your evening to join me today for this first-hand look at the San Francisco 49ers. But before we get started, I just want to know, how's it going with the holidays coming up, man? Man, it is a crazy time. And, you know, I, I live in Pasadena, so I'm a SoCal kind of guy. And the 49ers are traveling to play against the Los Angeles Rams next week, and I have tickets. And so in-laws in town, it just, you know, sometimes you have to say, like, hey, holiday week's great. But we're also going to the 49ers game in the middle of all this. So <laughs> it's a good time, man. You know, the weather down here is great, obviously. But, you know, just mixing family and football together is always a good time, especially with me. You know, my in-laws are from Dallas, so they're all Cowboys fans. So it's always fun when we get together and root against each other. Awesome. That sounds like a great time. I'm uh, wishing you uh, a lot of fun throughout that holiday season. It does seem like you're going to be uh, in for some great times ahead. But Getting towards football here, the 49ers are coming off a 26-23 overtime victory over the rival Seattle Seahawks. And before that, you guys were in a drought against them. Uh, your last win coming in 2013. Now, it's been even, a long stretch, man. Uh, hey, we know that completely with the Packers, and we just got over the hump here on Sunday. Now, even though a lot of Bears fans kind of see this as a potentially easy win, um, I think that the 49ers have made a strong case uh, last week that they shouldn't be overlooked. That and they are also three and three over their last six. So, looking at Sunday's game against Seattle, I want to know what are some of your bigger takeaways from that win, your fourth one of the year. Well, one of my favorite things about this coaching staff in front office is they are crazy fighters, 
And, you know, Kyle Shanahan came out and basically said, look, obviously we're not making the playoffs this year, but we're going to get young guys in and we're going to compete every single play. And even if you go back to when, you know, three weeks ago, Seattle blew us out, you know, when we were on the road up there, Kyle Shanahan's getting personal foul calls against him for cussing at the ref and going after it. And so, you know, he has set the tone that we will fight till the very end. And if you look at our entire schedule, I mean, if you look at the number of one possession games that the 49ers have been in, we have fought close with everybody. And, you know, we, we've got four wins this year. All four of them have come at home. And, you know, we get another home game against you guys, which uh, props to you guys. You know, locking up the division is always awesome. But it, it, it's kind of weird because the next two games, I think that you guys have a legit shot at getting that number two overall seed, but it's going to have to do with the 49ers because we play you guys this week, and then the next week we play the Rams. And so if, if right. you guys can beat the 49ers and then we can turn around and beat you know our division opponent, you guys, y'all have a great opportunity to win the, you know, get that first round by, which is always so big. Yeah, we, uh, you know, personally, I was actually thinking about that earlier today. I was like, that's going to be such a weird shift. Like, as soon as that game's over, if the Bears win, I'm going to go from rooting against the 49ers to immediately <laughs> flipping the script and being like, well, now I got to root for them, uh, for the Rams. But the Bears having a bye week is something that I'm also kind of tossing around in my head if, if it's something I want or something I don't want. But uh, I'm going to let fate decide here. Yeah, and, and I'll say this, you know, Vegas and the numbers, they've come out this week, and obviously you guys are favored, even being on the road, four-point favorites. And But I, I think that the test is this, and the 49ers are one of those teams that teams don't want to play because they have so much athleticism on the defensive side, even though they haven't jailed completely. But there's so many new young players and, you know, we got DJ Reed at free safety. We've got Tavarius Moore at corner, who are these new rookie guys, Elijah Lee, uh, you know, at linebacker. We've got so many young guys that a lot of people in the NFL don't know because they weren't first and second round picks, but they're kind of these hyper athletic, perfect fit guys. And it's starting to gel. You know, if you look to just three weeks ago, again, getting blown out by the Seahawks, this same team two weeks later, it shows up and it gels. So if our defense can muster up some type of resistance against this Mac Nagy offense, I think things can happen. Because as long as you have Kyle Shanahan, we're going to put up yards. We're going to put up points just because that system is just so elite. It's just, can we gel? And, and that's kind of the big question because, you know, with you guys in Chicago, hats off to you guys and what you've done under this new coaching staff. It is just, it's impressive. And you also have a lot of 49ers fans rooting for you guys. Vic Fangio, you know, the, the ties sure. to San Francisco. We love that guy. So it's very easy to root for you guys. Now, you talked about Kyle Shanahan, and I was actually wanting to pick your mind here. Uh, with you know only winning four games so far this year, it seems like, uh, regardless of that, that uh, the fan base is in high spirits about the potential of this team in the future. Am I kind of getting the correct vibe here? Man, yeah, you're exactly right. It, it's it's one. Of, it's funny because you know whenever I put out a podcast for the 49ers. You know, we get a mix of fans that are so excited we won, and then the other half is, ah, oh, we had the first overall pick. And, you know, th that debate, whenever it takes place, me personally, I want to win at everything. I'm super competitive. I'm going to beat my son at checkers. 
It doesn't matter. Like I want him to earn the victory. And, and I would say that mentality has has stayed with this coaching staff. You know, you could look at all the injuries. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo to our starting running back. You know that we paid in free agency to bring over Jarek McKinnon to our backup running. I mean, the injuries. Every team goes through a lot. But whenever we're down to our third string quarterback, our fourth string running back, both of our wide receivers are out. It, it kind of galvanizes this. Yeah, we're a young team. You know, we weren't going to be competing for a title this year anyway, but we were maybe a bubble playoff team if we were healthy. But whenever you lose so much and you have so much youth throughout your roster, uh, it's kind of fun to see. Okay, we are we are fighting. This fighting spirit is so that we can win in the future. And we saw this with the Chargers. You know, this week the players came out and said we learned how to win under our coach when we were losing because he taught us to fight these really tough small chances, even though we were out of the playoffs. And so hopefully we can see that now. And you know, again, I, I think I said it earlier. I don't think the 49ers are a team that. Other teams look at and say, man, we want to play them on the road right now, especially, you know, three and three, the last six games and all four games, all four wins coming at home. It it means something. And so this is a big game. They're, they've taken on the spoiler role, which I love. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I'm a little fearful, like three of the Bears four losses have came on the road this year. And like you said, you guys play well there. So it's going to be it's going to be a tough matchup. I think it's, they're not you guys aren't going to roll over by any means. And something that kind of was glaring to me while scouting this team is the fact that um, over their last six games, you guys are minus nine in the turnover department, uh, turning the ball over the nine times failed to create any takeaways. Uh, and I, I was like, wow, that's strange. And I was looking into the whole season and you're actually dead last in the NFL with a negative 22 <laughs> turnover differential. Now, obviously, yeah. you know, hold on, like the Bears, you know, they're first in the NFL with a plus 13, so it's going to be the first uh, versus the worst here. Um, but I'm curious to your thoughts here. What's the caveat behind these turnovers on offense? Uh, I mean, of course, um, why is the defense unable to kind of create any of their own this season? Only five in 14 games. It's 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 the Achilles heel of this team. You know, Robert Saylor, our defensive coordinator, he runs that defensive scheme that got famous in Seattle. You know, the cover three with Richard Sherman, you got four down linemen. The problem is we have zero pass rush. Um, we have one pass rusher, and that's DeForest Buckner, who rushes from the interior. He has 11 sacks this year. He's amazing. Outside of that, nothing. We're not getting any pressure on the quarterback, and we are on pace to break the all-time record since the merger for fewest turnovers forced. No other team in the history since the merger has forced fewer than 10 turnovers throughout the season. Uh, we're sitting at six, so <laughs> it's kind of where we're at. Um, we're just not getting pressure on the quarterback. But whenever we do, you know, this last game we got three sacks, and we're able to compete. And we're not going to win the turnover battle against anybody. We haven't forced a turnover in six straight games, which just seems – and that was a game against Jameis Winston, which he's good for three a game it seems like. So we're going to have to find a way to kind of mitigate that. If we get one turnover this game, I think we have a chance to maybe <laughs> keep it competitive. But, again, y'all's defense, man, just hats off hats off to you guys and what y'all do. The Khalil Mack trade, turns out we were kind of the runners-up in that trade, which is hilarious because, you know, John Gruden kind of came out and was leaked out that he thought Chicago's draft pick would be higher mm -hmm. than the 49ers, uh, which could not be further from the case, obviously. Um, 
And the the last thing I'll say this is the strength of our offensive line is our tackles. You know, Mike McGlinchey, our first round pick last year out of Notre Dame, has been absolutely stellar. Joe Staley on the other side. If you guys are going to mess up our offense, which obviously you guys are going to limit us, best defense in the NFL, it's going to be through the middle. Um, not saying Khalil Mack won't do Khalil Mack things, but we were able to kind of. You know, keep quiet Von Miller two weeks ago. Um, we're pretty good on the edges. It's up the middle that destroys us. Our center and two guards are definitely our weak point on our offense. So curious to see strength against strength and see how good our rookie, Mike McGlinchey, uh, you know, that we got with the ninth overall pick is going to do against Khalil Mack. He, he's going to get his, obviously, but hopefully he can limit him a little bit. But, man, what a great year that guy is having. So congrats there. Appreciate it. I mean, I wish I can say thank you, but no, I'm not doing it. It's him out there in the field each and every week. But looking at the season, and again, you've been paying attention, all the ups, all the downs, every team goes through them. I'm curious, could you catch up uh, some of our listened, listeners who are potentially uh, not too uh, you know, aware of the 49ers situation? Like, what's the story of the season? You may have already hit on it. It may just be all the injuries on offense and the lack of experience on defense. Yeah, you know the problem is just kind of galvanizing under pressure because, you know, whenever you start off one and seven, you know, you, you're, you're done. You're not going to be going to the playoffs and figuring out what we're going to be going forward. And Kyle Shanahan, they came forward and they said, look, we're going to figure out who our cornerstone pieces are for the future and who's not going to be here next year. So if we look offensively, you know, Nick Mullins has stepped in and just played amazingly well. A lot of people don't know. Uh, he's got a better passer rating than Jimmy Garoppolo has had since he was here. Better touchdown to interception ratio. Like he is coming into his own. This is an undrafted free agent out of Southern Mississippi, and it it it, it goes all the way across the team. Dante Pettis has stepped up to being an amazing. You know, we got we traded up in the second round for him, wide receiver out of Washington. He's looking amazing. But probably our MVP on the offensive side is George Kittle. That guy is absolutely incredible. Just got, uh, you know, the votes just came in. He's going to be a Pro Bowl tight end. Him and Ertz from Philadelphia are going to be the two representatives for, uh, you know, the NFC. And, and so offensively, it's definitely that. George Kittle, he's top three tight end in the entire NFL. And then defensively, no sacks, no turnovers, and a tackling machine. That was our third round pick. Um, you know, Fred Warner out of BYU, he's kind of the guy that stepped in after that whole Reuben Foster fiasco, whatever, but he's leading our team in tackles. He's got over a hundred tackles. Our next closest guy is a defensive tackle <laughs> with wow. 60 tackles, DeForest Buckner, who's just, I cannot believe he didn't make the Pro Bowl. I was pretty upset about this, but, uh, actually it seems like he got beat out by your guy, Keem Hicks, um, so it, it it's what it is, but our whole team we've we, they've we've underperformed. Uh, coaching staff, you know, the players, all these things, they just have to figure out how to work together and how to stop making so many mistakes. Whether that's penalties or turnovers, we're getting destroyed in both of those categories. Well, uh, first of all, Keem Hicks has been waiting patiently for his Pro Bowl nod here. I think he's been snubbed um, ever since he came here to Chicago a few years ago. So we're glad that he's in. So uh, Buckner can wait a year. <laughs> um, but you talked about a few offensive players. I'd There's no community like a Cenex community. And that's why every Cenex store is so proud to serve theirs by supporting local athletic teams, promoting the arts, and making sure each store is a place its neighbors can find what they need, catch up with their friends, and stay connected. It's also why we give back, helping to make the wonderful places we call home the best they can be. 
Your local Cenex doesn't just work in your town, it lives there. The store next door, powered locally at Cenex. I do want a little bit more insight on uh, Nick Mullins. Like he said, he's been playing very well, surprisingly well. Three three as a starter, uh, seven, 1,754 yards in his six games, uh, 10 touchdowns to six interceptions. What should we know about him for good and bad? He has no arm. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's, it's So I, I laugh because he is Kyle Shanahan. And what I mean by that, whenever he stepped in at quarterback, you know, after C.J. Beathard, our, our rookie, you know, that we drafted last year that we were hoping to be the backup, he stepped in and Kyle Shanahan came out and said, look, Nick knows the offense better than anybody else besides myself. He knows it better than Jimmy. He knows it better than CJ. He is a quick decision. You know, he knows where he's going with the ball quick. And anytime he gets the ball out in less than two and a half seconds, it's a positive play. The problem is when his first or second read is not there, which has happened a lot because we have very inexperienced wide receivers out there, you know, miscommunications, things like that. As soon as things go off script, we're in trouble. Um, so th- that's the thing. You're going to be able to tell if the Niners are getting the ball out quick. It's going to be a fun game. However, if your corners lock down are very you know inexperienced wide receivers and you're able to shut down Kittle, it's going to get out of hand quick. So that that's kind of what you're going to want to look for as a Bears fan is we need to make sure he has the ball in his hands three-plus seconds, and then bad things will happen from the interior offensive line. Now, switching over to your tight end, Kittle, I'm curious, you know, getting to a Pro Bowl, I'm still a very young player in this league. Um, I haven't seen a lot of tape on him or a lot of uh, his, what he's done this season. Uh, can he catch me up to speed here, actually? Uh, what makes him such a an effective tight end despite the quarterback kind of revolving door that you guys have had this year? So the number one thing about him is yards after the catch. He is number one in the NFL for all tight ends, and he is putting up Gronk-like numbers where you know you just throw him a little screen pass and he breaks two or three tackles. He is just kind of this uncanny physicality to his game once he gets the ball in his hands because he's he's mean as hell, but he's actually very deceptive speed. So he's got three touchdowns over 50-plus yards on the year, and he is able to do that, but he's also a great inline blocker. You know, he comes from Iowa. We got him in the fifth round. You know, if you go back to Ference and what he does with the Iowa Hawkeyes, he was basically used as an additional offensive lineman whenever he was in college. We didn't have a lot of tape on him catching the ball, and so this was just an added bonus. You know, we got him kind of as being that additional blocker because the 49ers run a lot of 22 and 12 personnel sets where we use, you know, two tight ends or a fullback. We don't spread it out where we have five wide receivers out there very often. We go big. And so you'll see, you know, a fullback with two tight ends out there at the same time. And you'll see Kittle, he, he blocks, he gets down there. And I think what we'll do offensively, he will be to Khalil Mack's side on a majority of plays because even though he might not be blocking Khalil Mack, we're going to try to widen him out from that tackle perspective just to get him an extra couple feet away from the quarterback. And so what we'll do is we'll we'll chip with either Kittle or Juszczyk, who's our stud, again, our second player named to the Pro Bowl, uh, fullback Kyle Juszczyk, um, who is just kind of like the Swiss Army knife of this team. He doesn't really do a lot in the running game, but he's 
tremendous pass catcher, kind of that Chris Cooley halfback, jack-of-all-trades type of guy. But those two guys are going to be responsible for helping you know, our rookie Mike McGlinchey quiet or at least keep somewhat calm Khalil Mack, and hopefully he doesn't just take over the whole game and wreck everything. Now, you guys are tied for uh, rushing touchdowns on the year with 12. Also, you're 10th in the NFL, 123.4 yards on the ground per game. And I know Matt Breda, uh, he exited last week with an ankle injury. Uh, do you know the severity of that? Do you think he's going to play? And um, if so or if not, uh, Jeff Wilson, I saw he had a very up-and-down kind of a rough outing against San Francisco. Against San Francisco, geez. Um, against <laughs> the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, what, what should we expect from you guys on the ground? Man, we have been able to run the ball efficiently no matter who is back there. You know, this is kind of the trade of Kyle Shanahan and even his dad, Mike Shanahan. Whoever the running back in this offense is, is going to do very well. Now, Matt Breida is going to play. He's had the same ankle injury, seems like the entire season. Uh, He's only missed one game, but he usually rests. He doesn't need to practice. Even if he doesn't, he will be active in the game. And Jeff Wilson is... He's a one-cut runner. They're both kind of what one-cut north-south runners. They don't waste a lot of time going side to side, and they're just going to get five yards. And after that, whatever they get is extra. That's just kind of the mentality. The problem with Jeff Wilson has been ball uh, control. You know, he ruined three consecutive drives for the 49ers last week with a fumble. He got a penalty. He was tossing the ball to the ref, and if <laughs> one of the Seahawks players was walking in between them, hit him in the face. He got a 15-yard penalty. We had to punt after that, and then he dropped a screen pass. So a- another undrafted free agent. That's basically – we have a lot of those. Breida's undrafted free agent. Uh, we-, we are peppered with them. But what Kyle Shanahan has done and John Lynch, they have found guys that fit exactly what we want. So even if Breed is out, we don't really take a huge hit. Um, obviously, Breed is a better player, but we're going to get 4.7 yards per carry. It's just who we have been through two years. Even though we're losing all these games, we can still run the ball effectively just because of our head coach. Now let's go ahead and just flip things over to your defense. I see you're 12th in yards allowed, um, but the biggest issue is, of course, uh, keeping teams out of the end zone, 26th in the NFL. Oddly, you're allowing just a little over 26 points per game. Uh, what's been behind such a vast difference between the yards and the points allowed? Well, so the problem is, you know, I guess the, our defense is predicated on bend but don't break and try to force turnovers or sacks. Well, we're pretty good at bending. (laughs) But the problem is, once we get into the goal line, we have a lot of missed assignments. You know, uh, just last week, um, right off the bat, Akilah Witherspoon, our third-round corner who's been starting most of the the year, gets injured. Well, we send in uh, a safety that we drafted in the third round, Tavares Moore, and we put we've been trying to work him out at corner. He's a tremendous athlete. Well, the very first play, what do they do that he's out there? They motion us around to get him one on one coverage with Doug Baldwin with man and no safety help. So what are they going to do? It's going to be a touchdown to Baldwin. The problem that we have had as a defensive team is we are not putting our players in the best chance to be successful and a lot of that has to do with inexperience on the coaching and playing side Robert Sala who I, I I like I think that he has a lot of talent this is his first defensive coordinator job he doesn't have a lot of experience and so somebody like Matt Nagy scares me to death because he's going to be able to manipulate these matchups and get whatever he wants you know we we have Sherman 
Richard Sherman has been absolutely incredible, and he has gone several games where he hasn't even been targeted. <laughs> Teams will send out a their third-string tight end to Sherman's side because he doesn't travel. He stays at the defensive left cornerback, and that's just where it is. And so you do not have to throw the ball to the right side because we have so many holes on the left side. Um, our free safety, our strong safety, we have so many injuries, our Will and Sam backers. All of these are people with zero experience. So if if you can <laughs> manipulate that into man coverage, which we have to blitz to bring pressure, uh, you're going to be able to take advantage of some of those matchups, especially in the goal line. That's been our it's, – it's been one of the worst parts of this team is we fail to cash in on red zone possessions on the offensive side, and we are giving up so such a high touchdown percentage on the defensive side. And that's reflected in our you know 4-10 and 10 overall game record. Yeah, it's a pretty poor formula if you're trying to win football games. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, for you guys. <laughs> it's been a rough couple of years, man. I'll be honest as a Niners fan, but it, it it's awesome whenever you can see how things are trending in the right direction. And so, you know, we sit back and we say, all right, we're still building. We know we're going to get there. And at the competitive games, you know, that's what we got to ask for. And playing against you guys, it's going to be a fun game. But, man, if it's close, I'm going to be happy. You know, keep – Keep that attitude up. That's what we've been doing here over the last few years, and you know, it just takes some time. Uh, last year, the Bears were in so many close games, and as you know, their record wasn't there. And even though we had to do a coaching switch to kind of get over the hump, obviously, uh, things have finally worked out. So yeah, just kind of keep at it because, like you said, uh, the, you guys have some of the talent. You're getting some of these younger players, getting some of them some experience now too, which of course is another added bonus, but I want to get to DeForest Buckner. We already kind of talked about him a little bit, but uh, last week he was making plays left and right for you guys. He had two sacks, 11 total tackles, three of which were for a loss, and also three quarterback hits. What kind of challenges is he going to prevent the Chicago Bears' offensive line on Sunday? He is He's our Iron Man. Um, you know, he's got 749 snaps from the defensive interior side, which is just, it doesn't make sense. Usually you have your guys taking 50 to 60% of snaps on the interior. He just stays out there. Um, he has been very, very consistent. You know, he's got 11 sacks on the year and his main move that he does is he sets up a swim move. And so he'll line up in the three technique or the outside shade of the guard and he'll just he'll push straight through kind of bull rush through that outside shoulder and he gets penetration every single play like you don't stalemate him he's that good and then one out of five times he'll push through that outside shoulder and swim over the top because he has very deceptive speed and once he does that he gets a lot of free releases on the quarterback and the problem with the 49ers is we do not have an outside pressure so once he gets pressure up the middle the quarterback rolls out um, Russell Wilson, I mean, he could have had six sacks if we had outside pressure to contain the quarterback from just rolling out. Uh, but this is what it's been. And so, you know, with Trubisky, which is interesting because, you know, the 49ers, that, that the very kind of high-volume trade just last year, right. we did that trade together, the two to three. And, man, I, I hate to say it, I sat back as a 49ers fan last year saying, man, we hosed these guys. But, you know, here we are two years later – you guys totally dominated that trade. You know, the picks that we got ended up being Solomon Thomas, and we traded up for Reuben Foster. Neither one of those have panned out well, whereas you guys have your quarterback. So, man, yeah, it's, it, talk about how things change in just two years. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually going to ask your thoughts on that trade, so I'm glad you brought that up because you would mentioned Solomon Thomas hasn't really panned out 
what, how's he been struggling? Like, is he still getting his opportunities? Is he getting snaps? Like, what's the story there? He's getting snaps, but we're, we continue to play him out of position. You know, if you go back to what Solomon Thomas did at Stanford, you know, he was – I had him ranked super high on my draft board. And the NFL draft is kind of where I cut my cloth and I got into the whole broadcasting industry. Uh, I've been a draft nick for longer than I can remember. And I loved him because the inside pressure that he was able to bring at Stanford was just incredible. Well, we draft him at the number three spot. We bring him in and we make him play outside. He has not performed well there at all. And unfortunately, you know, our defense, we are not changing the spot because if we move them inside, we are losing our best player to Forrest Buckner. So we have these two studs that play the exact same position, and our defensive coordinator has not found a way to get them both going inside um, at any point in his career. So the sad thing is Solomon Thomas, who I still think could be a stud in this league, is being played out of position. And so as long as he's kind of with the 49ers and DeForest Buckner's there, man, I'm, I'm, it sucks. You know, you talk about best player available when you're in the NFL draft, and it makes sense. But in this case, you know, I love Solomon Thomas. I really hope we can move him to another team because I think as long as he is here, we're wasting his talent. Uh, he has not been effective at all. Yeah, that's unfortunate because, like you said, he was just budding with potential coming out of uh, Stanford. Yeah, I really like his attitude. I mean, his effort is legit on the field. It's just you can see it on play in and play out. He's playing the wrong position. Mm. Now, I want to move to your secondary, and I think you already answered this question earlier on, but I just wanted to ask it just in case you had any other insight here. Um, I see that, you know, I'm licking my chops. I see the 30 touchdowns <laughs> allowed to the only two interceptions on the year. And, again, you, you mentioned Richard Sherman being able to kind of lock down uh, his side of the field for the most part. But outside of that, uh, what's the issues? Is it the inexperience uh, coupled with the injuries? That's what it seems like. It's no pressure, too. Yeah, and too. so whenever, you, you know, what we're doing with our single high safety, you know, again, think back to kind of the Earl Thomas idea. That defense works whenever you have two long corners on the outside and a free safety that can cover ground. Well, the question is, you know, we really don't know what's going to happen this week because we've got three brand new starters out of four in our secondary. Um, and Kwan Williams, our stud nickel corner, was out last week as well. So you could say four out of five of our kind of nickel defense, they're all new guys, uh, all rookies that don't have a lot of playing time. And so it worked out really well last week where – uh, it was kind of their first time together as a unit. Akilo Witherspoon is done. He's on IR for the year, and he's had a terrible year. He's given up five touchdown passes, so kind of curious to see what this new guy coming in is going to be. And so the thing to pay attention to is our right cornerback, Tavarius Moore, number 33, uh, six foot two. He ran a 4-3-2, back-to-back 4-3-2 40s at his pro day, just one of these kind of super height-weight speed guys. But – He's been playing cornerback for half a year of his entire life. So he's a huge project. Um, we're going to have to see what happens. But I, the one thing I will say, everybody in our secondary loves to hit now. So they are very physical in the run game. It's just they get they're very they get burnt and they a lot of miscommunication. From your big bear hugs to the little notes you leave in your kids' lunches, it's already obvious you're an amazing mom. But there's one thing you can do to be even more amazing. Quit smoking. Because when you quit, 
Not only does your risk of heart attack, stroke, and lung cancer decrease, your kid's risk of asthma, bronchitis, and ear infection does too. It's a win-win. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit quitlineiowa.org for a quit plan that's right for you. Quit for you. Quit for them. Brought to you by the Iowa Department of Public Health. And just kind of blown coverages on the back end. And again, that happens with a lot of uh, you know flowing parts with people coming in and out of the scheme as well. So it's understandable. It's not fun to watch, I'm assuming, but it's understandable. <laughs> Lots of uh, what just happened, um, <laughs> but with more choice language, I would say. Sure. Uh, one last question about your defense, and uh, it just kind of struck my eye. Uh, the fact that you guys are uh, the best third and short defense in the entire league. Uh, what's so? Is there anything special behind that? Is that DeForest Buckner? Is it just the front seven in general? What's going on there? Well, again, this goes back to defensive scheme. Um, you know, we have, by design, our outside cornerbacks are big dudes. You know, Sherman's 6'3", uh, other side 6'2", and very, very physical. So whenever you do this cover three mentality, you can allow those guys to play up on the line of scrimmage and play physical with the line of scrimmage. And so basically what you're doing is creating uh, a nine-man front, but with those cornerbacks playing really close to the line of scrimmage. And so it, that makes you very susceptible to play action but you are betting, well, seven or eight out of ten times, they're going to run it on third and short. And so getting those extra defenders, not necessarily in the box per se, but on the line of scrimmage playing physical has helped us a lot. And so that's the thing that, you know, every time I it's third and short, I'm just – and I'll see our defensive lineup. I'm like, oh, gosh, please don't play action. Please don't play action. Uh, luckily, I don't know why. People are scared to play action on third and short. But if they did, they would have success against us. So uh, that that's kind of what to look for. If, if you guys play action on third and short, beats us every time. So Jotting that down as we speak, John. <laughs> Uh, one more here for you. Is there just anything else, um, either on the defense, offense, or even special teams, we haven't hit on that yet, um, that we should know heading into this game week? I would be remiss if I was talking to a Bears guy such as yourself and did not applaud Robbie Gold, uh, Walter Payton, Man of the Year, um, perhaps the 49ers MVP the last two years. That guy has just been incredible since he started. Um and I know that, you know, he left you guys, but that guy has just been incredible. Um, you know, he broke the record for most consecutive field goals earlier this year, then finally missed. But he has just been lights out. So if it does come down to a close game, which I don't think that it will, and Robbie Gold is on the field, it would be somewhat fitting, perhaps from my perspective, uh, for him to to knock down you know, just a last-second field goal going against the Bears. I think that would just be unreal, but oh, I don't on, think it's going to happen. Remember last but... year, though, the Robbie Gold game? He had all the field goals against <laughs> us, and we still lost. Yeah. That was retribution yeah. enough. But I am glad uh, that you guys are appreciating him over there in San Francisco because we miss him dearly um, here in Chicago, uh, both on and off the field. Such a great guy and, of course, a fantastic kicker as well. So I'm glad that – you guys understand what you have in him, um, even though at times, especially towards the end of his career here, that maybe at least the front office didn't see it. Right. Yeah, I, I never got that whenever he left, but cool guy. The funny thing is, you know, we, we did our huge offseason, you know, here's our new jerseys, the throwback, whatever, and they marched out like five 49ers and Jerry Rice, but the first guy to come out was our kicker. 
and it was just like awesome. That's that's what's going to get the fans pumped up. You know, a 30-year-old kicker walking out <laughs> the new uniforms, but such a cool guy what he does on and off the field, you know. We don't give the kickers enough credit. Uh, only whenever they mess up, but absolutely love that man. Yeah, there's actually one here, fun story for you real quick. Uh, it's the second year, and I was at training camp for a practice, and I was there with my mom. I was only in, like, eighth grade, and she was talking to him. He was just standing underneath one of the uprights at the field, and she's like, hold on, and she called my cell phone and had him talk to me to come over there to say hi. It was He's such a cool guy. How cool is that, man? Yeah, that is a uh... – yeah. It, it seems like he is consistent, and he still seems to be that guy. The, the same things come out every single offseason or training camp. Just such a cool dude. And, and, you know, we give so much publicity to guys like, you know, Ruben Foster or whatever. We need a lot more stories like that. That's pretty good. Thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. She's like, hey, someone wants to say hi to you. And he's like, hey, this is Robbie Gold. Uh, can you come over here and say hi? And I'm, like, looking down the field, and he's, like, waving at me. I was like, yes, I'll be right there, sir. <laughs> How cool is that, man? Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, John, as you know, you said you paid attention to a few of our Meet the Opponent episodes. I end each and every Meet the Opponent episode with my favorite two-part question. And the first part of this question is going to be for you. What do the 49ers need to do this week to go ahead and topple the Bears? Not lose the turnover battle. Like I usually you would say as a coach, you know, we need to win the turnover battle. No, that's that's out of the window for the 49ers. Not losing the turnover battle. If we can tie then I think we have a chance. Just don't lose it. <laughs> and, of course, the flip side of this is gonna what's going to lead to the 49ers' demise and a Bears victory? Uh, yeah, man, this is a long list. <laughs> um, this is a long list. Um, I would argue um, not being able to hold you guys to field goals. Um, you know, we talked about our red zone percentages on both the offense and defensive side y'all's offense is incredible your defense even more so but if we can keep you guys from getting into the end zone and hold you to maybe more field goal drives i think that we have a chance our offense will put up yards and, and will put up points uh it's just even if we you know are down 21 points it doesn't matter because our offense is predicated on play action fake and all these things and we've been able to you know put up a lot of yards no matter who we play or the score it's just if we can limit you guys from cashing in those opportune moments which we haven't been able to do all year so turnovers and then the red zone percentage touchdowns we gotta limit you to field goals all right, John, great stuff today. Real quick, before I let you go, just in case any of our listeners are looking for some extra coverage about the 49ers, uh, do you want to go ahead and let them know how to check in on your podcast and anywhere that you're writing? Yeah, um, I, I write all over the place, but my 49ers podcast is called the 49ers Rush. We're on all major sites. Uh, Fantasy-wise, head over to eatsleepfantasy.com. And if you are a draft person, it is about to become draft season. Head over to my Twitter, at JL underscore Chapman, JL underscore C-H-A-P-M-A-N. I do a lot of video cut-ups and coaching notes. And just basically, I do over 150 scouting profiles and a lot of video work over there. So head over to my Twitter at JL underscore Chapman and uh, let me know if you got a prospect you want me to look into. And uh, we will be live through the draft the entire way with you guys. So it sounds like I'm going to be having you on in the offseason, doesn't it? Uh, man, draft season, a good time. You know, I booked my tickets out to Nashville about a month ago. I am so excited uh, for the draft this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'd uh, love to come back on again. Anytime you talk football is a good time, and the draft is even more special. 
All right, John, this was a lot of fun. I want to again thank you for the time that you gave us this evening and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week, all right? You too, man. Thanks. Okay, Bears fans, that'll do it for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with John and took something valuable away from it. Up next, Brandon and Nick will be answering your questions in this week's Audible Mailbag. If you want your question answered and your voice heard on the pod, make sure to give us a call at 872-240-4007 and leave your voicemail. Thank you again for all the support that you give our show. The response that we have gotten over the last two weeks as we've gone through this unexpected transition has been nothing short of fantastic. It means a lot to hear just how much we mean to you and how much you enjoy the podcast. And trust me, it does help add some fuel to our motivational flame. Now, I'll talk to you all on Thursday with our game preview. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago bear down.